0: So I always say, think aspirationally, Not, don't just sit on how you're seen right now. Think about how would I like to be seen in the future? What would I like people to say about me? This is the Brilliance Leadership Learning Podcast, sharing thought-provoking content and discussions to enhance your leadership development journey. Be sure to subscribe to get notified of new episodes. Here are your hosts from the digital learning team at Crottenville, GE's
1: Global Learning Institute. Welcome to another episode of Brilliance Leadership Learning. Today, we have Harrison Monarth to talk with us about executive presence. Harrison is an executive coach, leadership consultant, and the New York Times bestselling author of The Confident Speaker and the business bestseller of Executive Presence. Monarth coaches entrepreneurs and corporate executives from the Fortune 500 on positive behavior change, authentic leadership, and effective communication, including making pitches that win multi-million dollar contracts. His latest books are 360 Degrees of Influence and Breakthrough Communication. Harrison has also written for Fortune, HBR, and Entrepreneur Magazine. So that's quite an impressive list, and I I'll welcome Harrison, and thanks for taking the time to chat with us today.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for having me.
1: So, you know, executive presence, I think, is a pretty popular topic, but can you start with just explaining to us what is executive presence at a high level?
0: Yes. Um, And it's a good question. I mean, a lot of people ask even companies that call and, uh, you know, I've had big Fortune 500 uh, companies call their global heads of learning and development or HR leaders and, and CEOs even to say, hey, we've got some executives or some high potential managers that are lacking executive presence. And then they pause and go, but what is it? (laughs) You know, so they ask me, they have identified people, but then they really want to know what is executive presence. And so, you know, it's, it's not just one thing, right? It's a little bit, uh, nebulous in terms of a concept It's it's, you know, it, when you see it or when it's lacking, but you can't quite put your fingers on it. And so, and that's because it's, it's more of an umbrella term for a number of, you know, behaviors and skills or competencies. Um, I would say executive presence is a, it's, it's, um, communication skills. It is the. You know it's engagement skill, it's the ability to to you know it's emotional and social intelligence, it's the the results you deliver, so it's really a number of things, and it I would say it changes uh, it's not steady, right so executive presence can can sort of increase or decrease depending on on uh, whether it's a first impression or evaluation over time. So, it's an interesting thing and and it's not something you either have or don't have. You can you can have it in some areas or you can lack it in others. So, it's a it's definitely an important skill, I'll tell you that.
1: So, that being said, is executive presence something, you know, is it only for senior leaders or or is it something that everybody should have?
0: Yeah. It's definitely not just for senior leaders. It's, you know, there's some research out there from the Center for Talent Innovation that shows that executive presence counts for 26% of what it takes to get promoted. And uh, in another survey of about 400 chief executives had 89% of them saying that executive presence helps people get ahead and 78% of them saying that limited executive presence can actually hold people back.
1: Wow. Yeah. So those are pretty, pretty big numbers.
0: As a matter of fact, that a uh, an executive coaching client of mine, uh, uh, the former head of HR from McGraw Hill Financial, uh, once told me that there is a formal narrative and that there's an informal narrative that exists in the executive corridor. In other words, your expertise and and technical competencies, your contributions, your results they're they're only part of the story. The other part is about executive presence, and that's you know, like I said, how well you play with others, emotional and social intelligence, projected confidence. You know, the ability to gauge, engage people and build relationships, how well you communicate and influence across the organization, uh, those are all, the ability to speak truth to power, those and other factors weigh heavily in being considered for leadership. So it really pays to work on uh, one's executive presence for the individual and for the company itself.
1: Right. And and those things probably also go toward not just influence, but also building trust and things like that, Right.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and it, you know again, so communication skills, emotional intelligence, social intelligence, I mean you need those things to um, yeah to, exude, to, to build trust and for people to want to follow you and, and, and invest in you so uh, absolutely yeah
1: so when people think of executive presence, they may also think of going in front of the executive as uh, as the primary context that that they would need executive presence, and so you mentioned mm-hmm. confidence. how does somebody Convey messages with confidence. What goes into that?
0: You know one thing in terms of confidence one thing is to be very clear about the value you provide and and Making sure it's value, you know whether that's in a presentation or whether that is uh, in a one-on-one Conversation, you know whether it's a hallway conversation or a meeting um, You know make sure it's value as opposed to just noise So when you can focus fully focus on value, you can't at the same time be fearful or insecure and so I always say being clear about value is a very good basis uh, for confidence. You know other other examples, um, you know knowing the context of a situation, um, knowing the context of the system, the organization uh, you're working within, because each organizational culture, of course, has its own rules of what's rewarded, you know what's punished. Uh, and being in tune with that, of course, helps you avoid missteps because you know take some of the uh, take some of the uncertainty out of situations, right? Also investing time and effort in building relationships, creating alliances, that helps with confidence. And uh, you know, we know that being politically savvy is definitely a key aspect of emotional intelligence, and uh, and also executive presence. Um, doing research on your topic, you know, finding out if you're in a meeting, finding out who's making the decisions. And again, so because uncertainty can really derail us, right? And very often people are, you know, lacking confidence because they're just not certain on a number of levels, or or on any on any level. And so um, by uh, by knowing who's making decisions, who's calling the shots and who you have to influence in a way that also can give you can give you confidence. Another one that I would say is, you know, learning people's communication style. That's very important, uh, especially when you're trying to get buy in for something. The Wharton School of Business came out with uh, some research recently on why people fail to get acceptance for their ideas. And one of the reasons was a disconnect between sender and receiver based on communication styles and preferences. You know, some people are more high context communicators. Um, others get right to the point. It depends on your culture as well. In terms of level of detail, some people like to get more high level picture. Others you know, need more technical uh, detail and data to get, get more into it. So knowing this can absolutely help you tailor your message and uh, really focus on providing that value.
1: And so along with that, both, asking somebody what their style is, but also letting somebody else know what your preference is.
0: Yes, yes, exactly. I mean, you hit on a good point here, you know, being, providing feedback, when it's just not happening often enough, you know, I always say, I mean, as an executive coach, you know, we, we often, we give feedback to, to our clients and we ask our clients to get feedback from their environment, you know, from the, from their stakeholders, from the people around them. And it's, it's, it's interesting to me that, you know, some of those You know, high, high stakes professions, whether you're ER doctors or pilots or special ops, uh, um, you know, members. I mean, you have feedback instruments constantly telling you where you are and, and, you know, uh, how successful you are. Uh, but in business, you know, we, we sort of treat feedback like, uh, like this, this thing that's, you know, we give it every quarter or God forbid, you know, uh, annually when feedback should really be given freely and frequently so that people know where they stand. Uh, So they can correct course if necessary in real time, you know, and it's a give and take.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of discussions about when you're communicating, even if I think I was clear where maybe could there have been a breakdown and just acknowledging that people are human and that not everybody Mm -hmm. hears something the same way. Exactly. Exactly. With that, too, I think uh, it's a good segue into the topic of presentation skills and things like storytelling. So what role do presentation skills play in the executive presence equation?
0: Yes, executive presence, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's we all have to give presentations, right? So whether we are entrepreneurs, uh, consultants, or corporate executives, or, or high-potential employees, I mean, you have to present your ideas to people, you have to get buy-in for things. And so when it comes to presentation skills, you know, I mean obviously that's a that's a huge topic in itself and having effective presentation skills can absolutely increase uh, your perception of executive presence and how you come across and so we we do a lot of presentation skills coaching and training for you know the highest level executive for the, for the CEOs uh, that have to obviously address very high stakes audiences uh, and to high potential employees and some of the some of the um, you know concepts that we talk about is understanding your audience you know what what are your audience's values and beliefs? You know, what are they looking for? Uh, are they looking for solutions. Is it to better understand something in order to make a decision? Um, the level of audience matters. If you're speaking to a more senior level audience, you have to be very clear on the value you provide. Not waste anyone's time. I mean, there's obviously a very uh, uh, <laughs> you know, the higher up you go in the, uh, in, the in the executive. Uh, You have to you have to be so much more succinct and get to the point quickly and and really provide what the audience is looking for So, you know matching your matching the tone and content to their preference, you know, because otherwise you'll be stopped pretty quickly I've seen that uh, I've definitely seen that happen a number of times Um, Storytelling you mentioned storytelling. We do a lot of coaching on strategic storytelling for specific outcomes So you have to know what is your objective? so is your objective to uh, cause we all tell stories. We've told stories since we were little kids and it's such a natural thing to do. But, um, it, it requires some skill and awareness to actually tell stories for a particular purpose, right? For a strategic outcome. So, and that could be to either spark action in people, right? To move people from point A to point B, uh, to get people to know and trust you, uh, to communicate values and get people to collaborate, uh, to lead people into the future with a compelling vision. Those are all specific objectives that you can support with just the right story structure.
1: And storytelling being a form of influence, and of course with most presentations, like you said, we're trying to get buy-in, we're, we're trying to inspire some kind of action. So what is the difference between being persuasive and, and being perhaps manipulating?
0: I think I have a very short answer for that. <laughs> and that is, um, I, I, you know... If, if you're looking out for others, and if you're looking to find a solution and make others successful, um, you know, that's, you, you'll persuade, right? You're, you're persuasive because you either, you have a mutual goal or you have something that benefits everyone. You know you're manipulating if you're really purely looking out for yourself. And so, but yeah. but understanding people's values, communicating to those values and respecting those values and not just trying to get your needs met, Um then, uh, th- then you don't have to actually shy away from the word persuasion. This is interesting. You know, bring up the word influence to persuasion to some people, and they they sh- they sh- they shrink back sometimes, almost in in disgust. It's like, ooh, I don't, you know, because they they equate uh, persuasion with manipulation sometimes. And I'm yeah. like, look, it's your mind, it's your mindset, right? I mean, you have to persuade people to do things that are in their best interest. Very often, doctors have to persuade um, patients all the time to, you know, to take their medications, to take them on time, right. To, to adopt a certain, you know, change in lifestyles. And so, uh, so you know, when you're manipulating versus persuading and, uh, and frankly other people know it too. Right?
1: Yeah. I like that you brought up the example of the doctor actually, cause I was just, I just saw a discussion on LinkedIn about this, um, where people were saying, you know, a lot of times with, Anything that's related to training or learning, there's often this pushback from various people in the organization who say, well, you give you might present something and they say, well, let's cut half of this out. Why can't we just do this and be done with it kind of thing? Um, mm. And bringing up that, it's certainly that we're maybe... Learning is is not as dire as something that your doctor might be trying to get you to do, um,
0: mm-hmm. but there can
1: definitely be great impacts to that. And positioning it the same way to your audience as, um, or even just in your preparation, as you know, this is why it's important to um, make sure that you've done due diligence of sorts mm-hmm. to make sure that that you really are trying to help the situation. You know, versus like you said, just for for selfish purposes or something else. So, yep. When we think about you know, the differences between persuasive persuasion and manipulation as well, then that also feeds into personal brand. And everybody has a personal brand, whether they whether they know what that is or not. Um, what are some elements of personal brand that people should maybe try to build on to help with their executive presence?
0: Yes, personal branding. It's another important topic that uh, we talk about a lot in our workshops and, and, and individual coaching. I mean, you know, you can't escape your personal brand. We all have one, so whether we like it or not, right? So all of our our actions, our communication, uh, the results we produce, uh, the way we treat others—I mean—that all contributes to sort of a perception of a brand, a personal brand, and uh, which is basically it, it's it sort of forecasts and it tells people who we are, sort of in short shrift, right? And, uh, so we either reinforce that brand or we are inconsistent and we confuse people with who we are because we're, you know, we're, we're just, either we, we say we were going to follow through and then we don't, we make promises we don't keep. And so I'd say the important thing, uh, in terms of building on your personal brand or expanding your personal brand is to be fully aware of how you're coming across right now, right? Understand what reputation you have currently. And, and you can do this via, you know, 360s. So you can do it by by asking people uh, that you trust to tell you the truth. And uh, but just really getting, becoming aware of how do you come across, and that can sometimes be a little painful to understand and to hear, right? Because not everything is going to be exactly the way we expect or you know flattering. So, but being open to that and understanding what's what's working, what's not working. I mean, commercial brands and and big companies they spend billions of dollars annually on fostering that brand and making sure the brand comes across exactly the way they want it to right? And and, and tailored so building on your personal brand your self-awareness um, understanding what people are thinking right now and then thinking in terms of asp- thinking aspirationally and how you would like to come across you know what are the things you would like people to say about you how do you want to be seen and so i always say think aspirationally not how don't just Sit on how you're seen right now. Think about how would I like to be seen in the future? What would I like people to say about me? You now we do this exercise in our workshops where we have, you know, pictures up of five, six uh, well-known personalities, you know, from politics, business, uh, you know, private sector, and so uh, we then have people sort of assign some labels to that, right? So mention the first three to five things that come to mind about that person, and people do that without any problem, right? The first few things that come to mind. And then we put up a uh, a silhouette, just a sort of a a head, uh, you know, and and ask people to imagine that's them, right? This is you on the screen right now or your name. What would you like people to say about you when they see your face or your name? And so that makes them actually think and go, hmm, you know, what would I like people to say about me? And so then they, you know, we encourage them to, to, to think about maybe three to five things they want people to say about them and then really think about one or two that they would like to... Uh, move toward and put a lot of their effort behind, uh, and that could be, you know, people say things like, "I want to be seen as an innovator," or as a change agent, or you know, as a as a compassionate leader, as a transformational leader. And then uh, we have them do a little exercise. Actually, we basically, you know, once they once they've settled on one or two things that they would like to work on in terms of their aspirational personal brand, we then have them talk to their uh, to their colleagues and, and their peers in the room could be anywhere from, you know, 10 people to, to 50. i mean, i to have done it with as many as 80 uh, people in wow. a, a, a MBA program in Bogota, Colombia. And so they so they talk to a good number of people and they ask each person. Right, It's a very simple exercise to go up to the person and say, OK, I want to be seen as an innovator what ideas do you have for me to be seen as that or to, to get there? And then your very smart peers and colleagues give you, you know, one or two suggestions on what you can do. And they're always blown away. I tell you, they're, they're always just so energized by what people are telling them. And so you, you speak to 10 people, you, all of a sudden you have 20 ideas on how you can move closer to that goal. And then it's up to you, obviously, to take the action to actually, uh, you know, to get there and to, to really put those granular actions in the practice. And and execute on them and move closer to that that aspirational brand. But it's a very powerful exercise, and, and people love it.
1: That's great, and it's a, a good way to keep yourself accountable too. I, I know a lot mm-hmm. of times people have an idea of what they want to be, or you know, or things that they want to be a part of their personal brand. But under stress or in certain situations, maybe we don't always behave in according in accordance with uh, those those values all the time. And, good and point. Being authentic, too. Yeah, so that kind of goes hand in hand. Yep. So what is the value of executive coaching then, helping both high potentials and leaders to develop these various executive presence characteristics?
0: The value of executive coaching, you know, it's 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 very much... It's, it's. I mean, I love the question because I'm very passionate about uh, helping people succeed. And so the value of executive coaching is when you have identified an opportunity, uh, you know, they used to call them weaknesses, right? We don't want to call them weaknesses, but we all have strengths and we all have areas where we're not so, that we're not so good in, right? And that we, that we need to be better in, right? And that kind of depends, again, on the organizational culture. It depends on the leadership, uh, leadership goals of the company uh, and your own, your own goals as well. And so, uh, executive coaching helps someone a create awareness around those opportunities and where you can develop. Uh, it helps coach or someone who helps uh, someone with goals, defining concrete, specific goals, whether they are skill development goals, whether they are um, behavioral goals or target target goals, and then uh, basically helping with action plans, right? Helping with a concrete action plan because ultimately, if I want to change my behavior um, it, it's very easy to have, to have good intentions and to say, you know, anything from, you know, I'd like to be a better, you know, a more, uh, empowering leader or somebody who develops his people more, uh, or somebody who wants to lose weight. It's so easy to come up with these intentions, but then really it's in the, it's in the actions in the individual actions, uh, that actually then tells people, oh yeah, there's a change. And, and, you know, that person is changing and she is becoming a, uh, a more effective leader by empowering her people and by giving more responsibility to people and by teaching and and so executive coaching helps with all of that holds people accountable, helps them to define their goals, helps them with action plans and then be there as a thought partner, as a strategist, as a uh, sounding board, as a cheerleader, somebody who encourages, somebody who helps somebody, you know, go from from impasse to insight by having rich conversations and dialogue. All those things are important, uh, you know, and and Establishing trust between coach and, and client, uh, you do that right in the beginning, right? I mean, because you're you're really asking a perfect stranger to lay it all out there for you and to be vulnerable and to trust you. And so, I think that's something that very good executive coaches can do, uh, and they can maintain that trust and uh, and then really help the person and uh, achieve those goals. And often over the course of you know six months to a year, I mean, our you know, average coaching engagements are about six months long, sometimes going to nine, nine or twelve months. Uh, but then people are often running right, and they are they've achieved their results. The company's happy, the the leaders are happy that that have now developed that new behavior. And uh, yeah, and then you know, it's all for it's all for progress, right?
1: Right. So, bonus question here. Um, so, you mentioned you know, coaching relationships sometimes can last six months to a year, and Obviously, people may get mentors, multiple mentors across you know their career. Um, mm-hmm. But what also do you feel is the value of just continual learning as as a leader or in developing your executive presence?
0: I think you have to. I mean, you absolutely have to. You can't stand still, especially nowadays where there's new information. Um, I mean, every minute something new comes out, right? Whether it's articles being written about something or new studies being published. I mean, the amount of uh, information that's that's uh, you know being published and produced is is mind-boggling, and so it can be very overwhelming. I mean, I'm you know as, so as an executive coach, you know, I mean, I I constantly feel like I mean, it's just so much to keep up with, you know, whether it is you know because you have clients that are working on 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 very different goals, you know, from conflict you know conflict management to again empowering people to being more effective communicators to yeah, I mean, you name it. I mean, the 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 goals are are really wide-ranging and so you kind of have to know you know a lot about those things in order to in order to really support your client and to and to uh, to help them develop in those areas and so I'd say for a business leader whether it's an executive coach or whether it's a uh, you know, the, the head of a company or a middle manager if you don't constantly learn and improve and 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 uh yeah progress it i mean you stand still then other people will bypass you you know always finding finding ways to um finding ways to expand your your knowledge your don't stay in a comfort zone always say you know if it feels uncomfortable if it feels awkward great i think that means you're growing and learning um and so you know it's eventually you will feel better in this particular area and i think the most successful leaders they are the ones that are constantly seeking those challenges they're looking to uh, expand their horizons to test themselves and to they're they're okay to be uncomfortable you know i always say be be fine with being uncomfortable because that means you're you're putting yourself out there and and at some point you will you know you'll master that whatever that is you're working on
1: great points and you mentioned there's so much information these days what is the role of technology how 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 can people leverage technology To better communicate or influence others, whether whether that's in a presentation or, you know, connecting with their team or learning um, using social media, whether it's within their organization or to build their personal brand, What, what kinds of things around technology would you give as advice?
0: Technology is—it's of course amazing because nowadays, you know, if you're in a conversation with someone or you you are unfamiliar with a concept or a a fact, it's so easy, right? You 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 get into your iPhone and you look up uh, on Google what what the situation is, or you 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 can learn really on the spot. Uh, At the same time, that as I mentioned, that can also be overwhelming because there is so much, and you sometimes you know some people have they're paralyzed by all this flood of you know knowledge and and information that's out there. So uh, so you have to sort of uh, you know, maybe create a, create a diet for yourself, create a steady diet. And, and, <laughs> so select things that you like to learn more about, that you need to know more about, and then, you know, whether it's you create a library of HBR articles, or uh, you, you know, you read a particular publication uh, on a regular basis, uh, just, you have to, you have to really... I, I, Understand where the draw the line and 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 just not not go crazy I mean, I know a lot of people that feel just frustrated and overwhelmed and so, you know Make it make it strategic and, and look for the things that you need to know now that really would help you now and, and into the into the near future um, The uh, as far as technology, it's interesting, right? How do we use it to communicate more effectively? It's it's obviously a great tool I can talk to somebody in uh, in another part of the world uh, quickly i can have video conferences and a lot of our coaching for instance is done via uh, webex or uh, you know, telephone of course skype and uh, if people aren't in new york and um, and so the ability to communicate is 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 there on various channels but i would caution people and i caution people to don't do not automatically substitute electronic channels of communication for face-to-face communication. It may be more efficient, but it's not necessarily more effective. These days, we err on the side of sending an email when we could just pop into somebody's office or pick up the phone. And you know, by doing that, I think we're at risk of losing connection. And so, especially when it comes to influencing, I think we need to engage others more on a personal level. Uh, Look them in the eye and add meaning with our voice. You know, but for the most part, because everybody's busy, you know, people have barely time to, you know, to, you know, to run to the restroom between uh, between meetings. And so, I think it's it's critically important to to just make sure that you don't lose that human touch, and then use technology obviously uh, to your benefit, but uh, don't ignore the the you know the face to face communication.
1: So two things. One of them is of course, as you're going on the, the information diet or the learning diet, I really like how you position that, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. you know, going back to your other point about making sure not just to select the things that you're comfortable with, but also going outside of that comfort zone. Um, mm-hmm. you know, on any diet that we have, there's things that we, we like, and we're comfortable with and things that we don't like so much. So, <laughs> um, That's an
0: point, actually,
1: yeah. yeah. And then, um, and the other thing that I wanted to add, and I'm going to push you a little bit, Harrison, is on uh, the the technology piece, um, because I completely agree with you, the the in-person and being able to uh, be right there and look somebody in the eye and have that body language and all of that good stuff um, is uh, definitely a critical component of executive presence and uh, influence in general and relationships in general. Uh, one thing I, I do want to ask you a little bit more on is, you know, especially in very large organizations like GE, for example. You know, we see a lot of leaders who um, have blogs now, and we also have, as I mentioned earlier, an internal social media tool um, that we use. So one of the things that I try to do to really uh, have leaders broaden their influence digitally and in organizations where they're not always able to, of course, meet everybody face-to-face is to, to leverage more of some of that social and, and digital forms of communication. And so along with that, you know, there are some really great advantages in how they can engage with people. You know, yes, we've got a blog, but maybe how can you actually have a conversation digitally with somebody, even if it's asynchronous, right? It doesn't have to be on our, our chat where everybody's online and, um, again, in a global organization especially it's mm-hmm. even more difficult to connect with people. So I, I think of the value of of those kinds of tools as it pertains to leadership in general, but of course, um, potentially with executive presence as well. So I just wanted to maybe prompt some additional thoughts from you on that kind of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Actually, that is a good point. Uh, because a lot of times we, we need to, you know, we're in one place and a lot of our workforce is in another place. And so, uh, reaching out to them, whether that is with um, uh, small, you know, short video messages just to let them know that, hey, I'm here, I care about you, you know, I, I appreciate what you're doing, and here's what's going on, you know, on my end, and, and, you know, for transparency and just to, to kind of, you know, again, inspire people. So I completely agree with you. And that can be done, again, whether it's a personal message sent out via a uh, video, sort of quick video chat, or a, uh, You know, or emails or like you said, social media, you know, a a blog, I mean, it lets people know what's going on. I mean, depending on what you obviously the content, but that's a great way to keep people informed, keep them inspired and uh and like you said it's not just it doesn't have to be one-sided right invite people's input invite people's uh, get people's feedback you know what are you thinking about what we're doing you know what what would you like to see you know in addition to what we're doing or what would you like to see that's different so i completely agree with you it's it is such a great tool uh to to connect with people and uh, but like anything it can be overused underused or misused
1: absolutely yep for sure mm-hmm. Is there anything else, Harrison, that you want to add on executive presence that we that we haven't covered?
0: I would say for those I know a lot of people are thinking about. They've heard the term executive presence, or maybe they've been told or or asked by a manager to you know work on their executive presence. And I would say you know look into it. I mean just just think about how it it, it is it is important, right? It's not just again credentials and and intelligence and hard work and and, and results, because while those are important, you know, there is something to a leadership presence, to to that executive presence that helps you, um, you know, again leverage your influence with people. And so, uh, don't ignore that feedback. I would say look into it and and uh, find one or two things that you can work on. Again, when it comes to behavioral change, you don't want to overdo it. You want to find one or two things you can work on at a time, and then uh, that can pay big dividends.
1: Great advice. Thanks again, Harrison, for your time. Um, Thank you. This is a great topic. I know a lot of people will find it useful. And even though it's kind of uh, can seem daunting in a lot of people's minds, I think this was very helpful advice.
0: Great. Thank you very much. I appreciate it.
1: For our listeners, you can check out Harrison's book, Executive Presence, The Art of Commanding Respect Like a CEO, and his most recent book, Breakthrough Communication. He is also available on the Guru Maker website, which is a site for executive development. And again, he writes for Entrepreneur, HBR, and Fortune, so you can find some of his work there as well. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, follow us on SoundCloud, and of course, like, comment, rate, and share. Thanks for listening.